Hey, what's up? It's Avery here. Well, I guess who else would it be? It is my own show. <laughs> you see, my show is on platforms like iTunes and Spotify, and you may wonder, how do I get my show on these platforms? Well, I do it through an app called Anchor. It's free to download, and you can use it on your phone or on your laptop. And it also comes with creation tools that let you edit your show. You can also make that sweet moolah with your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, want to get started? Download the Anchor app on the Google Play Store or Apple's App Store. Or go to anchor.fm. It's that easy. Yo, 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 what is up, what is up, what is up? Welcome back to Avery Sports Show, the podcast the children love, the plants love, the pets love. It is a pleasure to have on the podcast today from the CFL on TSN, Matthew Shinetti. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Not too bad, Avery. It's always, talk, it's always nice to talk to a man who dresses sharper than me. <laughs> you're too kind, you're too kind of little sis, though. Your Converse truck games, they're on point. Every week I see you have your Batman chucks. You have um, England chucks. You have your old school TSN logo chucks. Where'd you get these from? I'm impressed. You know, it, uh, it goes back to talking to my father about this. He had a pair of Converse given to him about, uh, oh, I'd say about 10, 12 years ago. And I'd always wanted to wear a pair of Converse, but really, didn't, for some reason, didn't buy a pair. And he said, listen, these, these, these don't fit me, so why don't you try them? And they were a pair of uh, red, uh, you know, the traditional red ones, and... I've had, in the course of over a decade, oh, Avery, it must be uh, 60 pairs of, of chucks. And, you know, the first half dozen or so, I wore them so often that they actually split from between the sole and the, uh, the laces. So, uh, you know, now at TSN, I mean, listen, as you, uh, as you and everyone else trying to get in the business can attest, uh, this is all about branding and it's all about your own shtick and really – we have to understand what we're doing, and we're sports reporters. We offer a lot of distractions to uh, people from their day-to-day. And uh, you can't take yourself too seriously. So when I look at what I like to do and brings a little levity to people, either people love my, uh, my shoes, if most do, or some want to poke fun at it, I don't care either way. I'm just hair, teeth, and a pair of sneakers. And, um, and, it, and, it, and it doesn't hurt, obviously, that I, uh, I love to match them up with a good suit. So... Um, you know, whether the variations have come and gone, uh, some have stayed throughout the years. The, the TSN retro chucks were something that I first wore back at the Great Cup in 2014. Uh, and then I've had another pair made custom with the old CFL and TSN logo. And we have, you know, a variety of colors from red, which I probably bought the most of, to <laughs> um, fluorescent yellow and uh, off-white and Three pairs of three pairs of Batman chucks, you know, several duplications, and it, it is now becoming the question I'm asked most often by either players or coaches or fans. You know, how many pairs of chucks do I have? So again, you know, it's that little bit of tidbit for for people trying to break into this to this. What can often be a, a tough business to kind of get a foothold in. Uh, pun, no pun intended. You, uh, <laughs> you kind of like you kind of grab onto a shtick, and I guess mine is. Uh, 
is Chuck's now, and uh, you know what? I don't mind it at all. It can get a little expensive, but I don't mind. And I can imagine, Ken, is there one pair of trucks, you know, you're like, that's the one where it's on a pedestal, it's the number one pair of trucks that you wear often, or it's, you know, the one close to your heart the most? Yeah, it's, 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 a, pair, it's a pair of red ones. When I was working at the National Post uh, back uh, six years ago now, when I started working at the Post, and before that at CBC, I mean, red was my color. I, I Red is my favorite color, and I, uh, as I already mentioned, I think I've purchased several of them. I have two different pairs of reds right now um chuck two versions which is for those who care to know much more comfortable with a uh, a golf insole but it's uh the chuck twos um the red ones i've got two pairs one that i just wear when i go out which is which is obviously a little uh, a little worn out now and <laughs> another pair which i wear either on broadcasts or uh two I, I, and i don't i guess it's kind of a contradiction in terms but uh, if I'm going out on a nice night out, I wear the uh, a nicer pair of reds. So, um, you know, reds always been close to my heart. So, and they 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 always are set aside for uh, for a special occasion. And that's awesome, Matt. I know in the CFL this year, it's been quite a season. You know, it's it's been especially last week, week nine, week ten. It's interesting. Week nine, you saw the all blowouts week. Week ten, we saw things start off with Ottawa losing to BC, and of course, I want to go back to week nine, and that was a week where have you ever covered a week where every game was just a straight beatdown, be it Montreal beating Ottawa, be it Edmonton hammering Toronto, or be it the Riders just getting embarrassed to Hamilton, fifty-three to seven on the road. Yeah, it was one of those strange weeks, Avery, and I had, I guess, the quote-unquote pleasure to cover two of those games. I mean, last week in Ottawa. Um, it wasn't fun uh, halfway through, and, and then of course last week, uh, you know, the next day in Toronto, uh, you thought it might be an exciting game, and you can kind of feel for the executives of the Argos who are really trying to reinvigorate that brand as much as they can down at BMO. Nice day out at the exhibit, the um, Canadian National Exhibition, trying to get fans in seats, and the game is essentially done with five minutes, you know, five minutes into the second half. Um, one of those things uh, in the CFL, when the game is on, and I think you can you can say for the most part that last night's game between the Red Blacks and the BC Lions fit that mold. When the game is on and it's exciting, uh, very few other professional sports are as exciting as the CFL game. It's so back and forth. And even the uh, couple of weeks previous, uh, you, you look at BC against Hamilton, Hamilton nearly mm-hmm. completing the comeback. But then you can either fall into two separate categories of unbearable CFL games, which is the blowouts, which do tend to happen in a league, which is almost entirely about throwing offenses, or you get super defenses in games that, you know, by halftime resemble a hockey, baseball, or, or soccer score. So uh, it's, that's one of the, the strange and, and oftentimes charming things about the CFL. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. It's hard to predict one one week to the next, one game to the next. Um, but overall, I think this season it's really captivated people. A lot of parity in the West. Uh, I think the, the obvious power players, especially Calgary, oh, sorry, excuse me, a lot of parity in the East and a lot of power, the expected power players in the West, namely Calgary. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it continues to be, I think, and we haven't even reached Labor Day, and that's when kind of the unofficial start to the second half, or really the official start to the second half, when games start to matter, divisional placement starts to matter. That's when you, I think, you really start to see how things are going to uh, shape up 
uh, for the rest of the season. Of course, I couldn't agree more with you in that, Matt. You, know, you mentioned a parity in the East. No team is above 500. At the same time, though, the team that's last place, Montreal 3-5. and five. The Montreal, their team with Kevin Glenn or Kim Cato, they could be a team that could make some noise. And look at Ottawa. Like, it was wild to see that Montreal is only a game and a half back of the Red Blacks. I mean, any one of those four teams in the East could maybe play in the Great Cup in Toronto this November, Matt. I think a lot of people, those, and I know, obviously, the CFL this season with the three brand and new logo, and trying to go to BMO Field is really trying to get a more cosmopolitan, younger fan. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they will be engaged by what goes on, particularly in Ontario now. First and foremost, in Ottawa, it's the best the best atmosphere in the league, hands down. Um, but they, with the quarterback situation, Henry Burris' injury, then his struggles, then his his uh, the little commotion he caused a few weeks ago at halftime and, and after the game, and then having him to get out, or be, get out, excuse me, have him be benched, <laughs> and then Trevor Harris come in. Uh, you know, I, I think that'll be interesting, but I, I really look at Labor Day, Classic on September 6th and the rematch between the Argos and the Ticats as that pivotal point in the season to see if um, where both teams are. Ricky Ray comes back. We'll be ready to face BC on August 31st. The Ticats have a, as it usually is, a very tough trip to Calgary. But after that, it's divisional play for both of them, uh, and it's going to be very interesting how all that shakes up because Zach Caleros and that Ticats offense continues to purr, another pun, uh, <laughs> as it did against against Saskatchewan, then we might see, I think, uh, the, the Ticats, as they did for two of the three years anyways, really become uh, that dominant team in the East again. Now, you know, when you look at Toronto, Ricky Ray can't play all 12 positions on offense and defense. It's going to take a lot, I think, especially on defense, even after the uh, unexpected release of longtime CFL veteran Keon Raymond, mm-hmm. uh, linebacker Keon Raymond, his release. Where do the Argos go from here? They have a real big test against BC on Wednesday night. That's going to be key, not only, I think, in the, uh, in the standings, but also in the stands themselves. It'll be the last week of the CNE. How will fans on Wednesday night uh, take, the, take to the Argos? Uh, they're kind of halfway through their home schedule now. It hasn't been particularly good save and except for that first game against Hamilton when they kind of had a bump from, from Ticats fans traveling east of the QEW. Um, and Montreal, uh, what can you say about a team that's had really every kind of, of, of strange occurrence, controversy this season from Jim Pop's um, really questionable comments to his team, Jerron Carter's shove, Nick Lewis's comments earlier in the season, uh, and all the combustible and by combustible, I don't mean that negatively, but a lot of energetic pieces in that locker room to begin with. It's um, Montreal could be the sleeper, could be the dark horse if if they play as well as they did last week against Ottawa. But I think right now the, the team to look at, the team to, to really assess their chances, especially over the next three games, will be Hamilton. Matt, how important is it from a league standpoint that Hamilton and Toronto is a relevant matchup? Because for many years, either Toronto or Hamilton wasn't doing that well. I know you have your main staple matchups. You have Edmonton, Calgary, always an attraction. Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, it's always big. But those two Ontario teams have to be good, I think, for the league as a whole. It is going to be so key for the CFL from a, um, a financial standpoint, the viewership standpoint, to get Toronto 
and Hamilton really firing on all cylinders because you want them to be teams that play exciting football down the stretch from a ratings perspective. The same way when you go to the Prairies, you want Winnipeg and Saskatchewan to be mm-hmm. competitive. Now, obviously, with with the Rough Riders not as competitive, it might hurt the ratings uh, a little bit. But Winnipeg, in the way they're playing, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do tonight against Montreal because the better Winnipeg plays, the higher uh, the trending will be, obviously, in Manitoba and the Prairies. Uh, but it is so crucial, as it always is. People throughout the CFL sometimes fail to realize it. You need Toronto and Hamilton, especially Toronto, to be successful. You need eyeballs on the CFL from the Golden Horseshoe perspective. There are, tel- there are 10, 11 million people that live from the East End, which is the Ajax Pickering area, all around and, and, and from you know centrally to, to Vaughan and, and Thornhill, all the way stretching west yes to Hamilton, uh, it is a huge, huge market. And the CFL draws very good numbers, but a very successful Argos team would do the league a world of good. Not to say, you know, say nothing for, obviously, people talking about, you know, the league wanting, how much does the league really want Toronto to be successful? What what, what extent would they go to? But getting bumps and seats in BMO Field is so important. No, it hasn't it... happened yet consistently. So it's, it's, it's really still a challenge for the league. It is a challenge, you know, for, and being someone from Alberta, you know, I've always heard about, you know, Toronto's importance for the league, and I see it now, it really is. You know, Matt, a lot of my friends, they're NFL fans, they're not a fan of the CFL, they say the CFL is boring, the NFL is more relevant, but I do think that a Toronto team playing well and doing well and winning, it can attract the younger audience to want to go to BMO Field and watch Argos play. Yeah, the, the, the NFL argument's quite tired here, because the reason why the NFL is, and it's and I, I don't think it's too dissimilar to obviously the Seahawks hold in in BC. Although maybe maybe I should track back and, 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 and change that because the Seahawks have a foothold in, in British Columbia and they always have, uh, especially now that they're successful. The Lions dipping in their own um, way, their brand dipping. Some poor football play over the last few years. They are now working towards trying to bring that brand back. Toronto is, is a much larger city where. If you are an, a football fan, you're an NFL fan. You're not a fan of, 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 of a particular team. It's a reason why, obviously, there, there was a bit of an issue, say nothing for the ticket prices, when the Buffalo Bills tried to come to Rogers Center and, and play mm-hmm. a handful of games for a handful of years and really didn't find it too successful. The fact is, is if people accept the CFL for what it is. It's not an inferior league. There are different. It's two different types of football. Yes, you could go ahead and say that um, there are bigger, stronger athletes in the NFL. No doubt about it. But when the game, as I talked to, as I spoke about before, when the game is played at a high octane level at both ends of the spectrum, whether it's NFL or CFL, I would challenge any NFL fan, and I'm a huge NFL fan myself, not to enjoy a CFL game because when you see the offenses played out, when you see how well games can be played, how fast they can be played, how much offense can be put up, even some of the hits, the open field hits. The the CFL is such a compelling league, and if you accept it for what it is, if you accept it for that it's, I think, a more athletic league, it demands players in different positions to do different things. You don't see many defensive linemen in the NFL have to be athletic enough to pull back pass coverage. No. You don't see many receivers 
receivers having to run up to the line of scrimmage and be able to sprint down the field, uh, 110-yard field, as, as, as quickly as some CFL players do. That's not saying that they're better receivers in the CFL. It's just a different game. And if you accept it for being different and not less, then you can appreciate the league. Uh, the problem is, particularly in Toronto and having lived here all my life, uh, different for some people is oftentimes, in their own minds, it does mean less. And I think uh, until those fans just give their head a shake, the CFL won't gain much traction here. That, you know, you mentioned the CFL just in terms of the, the game style. I know a great example is that if you look at the NFL, if an NFL team was up 31-6, the game's over. Edmonton-Hamilton a few weeks ago. Edmonton's up 31-6. The Ticats come back and win that ball game. That was exciting. That was great. You wouldn't see in the NFL a team come back to win from being down 25 points in the second half. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah, and that's, again, Mark Trestman, who went to a Super Bowl with the Oakland Raiders, was an offensive coordinator with the Oakland Raiders, helped groom many quarterbacks to be, you know, Bernie Kosar with the uh, Cleveland Browns and Rich Gannon with the Oakland Raiders. He came, when he came to the CFL, he said, the last three minutes of the CFL is unlike anything in professional sports. You could play the, the preceding, uh, what is it, 57 minutes. Perfect football. As close to perfect football as you, as you can, you could find your life deteriorate inside three minutes. Scott Milanovic has admitted as much as well. Um, yes, the officiating can sometimes be frustrating. Absolutely. The, the, the challenges that have now come in the CFL, which the NFL has copied, and let's not forget for those who listen to your show, who may not believe in the CFL. It's a lot of things the CFL has done in trailblaze, uh, you know, say nothing initially for maybe breaking the color barrier, uh, you know, which, which should have been done for so long. Yes. Um, but the challenges in terms of pass interference, defense pass interference, offense pass interference, um, challenging hits to, to the quarterback unnecessary roughness, uh, the, the adjustment of the PAT, pushing it back to 35 yards, all of these initiatives started by the CFL have been adopted by the NFL. Now, the NFL is going to give the CFL outright credit, but those who obviously appreciate football can tell where the NFL got those ideas from. And the NFL and CFL have long had a partnership, and the NFL this season even lent the CFL some officials to come up to the CFL and actually learn the game just for the benefits of their own training. Um, so, again, if you look at the CFL as minor league baseball to major league baseball, then don't even bother. Then you're wasting your time. If you look at the CFL, much like, I'll give you an example, rugby union is different than rugby league. The same sport, mm-hmm. essentially, but rugby league, which is what the CFL actually is derived from, uh, and obviously the NFL is, is derived from in some respect, is different than rugby league then you can appreciate the sports. If you can't do that, um, then stick on your couch Saturday morning, Sunday mornings, watch NFL Network, watch, you know, and, and go, about your, go about your business. You know, the rest of us will enjoy watching those games because when you're inside TD Place, as I was yesterday, um, and when the, when, you know, the, the front seven of the Ottawa Red Blacks absolutely crushed Jonathan Jennings, um, and you, and you can see and feel and hear the energy from 25,000 people, you get to realize that the CFL is, just as the NFL is, is a fantastic spectacle. There, Matt, I like that. Got you a little bit fired up for that little segment there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
know, I, I will admit as much on, on your show, and I've admitted to people increasingly. Up to 2011, I had not watched a CFL game in my life. I am a New York Jets fan, unfortunately. And <laughs> my I condolences. To make, uh, to make a very long story short, in order to further my career, I was told, hey, you're going to be the new CFL reporter for the National Post. And I said, absolutely. And you learn, and you learn to appreciate it. And you watch the game, you watch the details of the game, and you learn the game. It's not a hard game to learn. Um, this isn't like watching snooker or cricket. This is this is watching uh, a sport that, if if you just look at the details and you look at, um, if you just simply watch a game, it's it's really self-explanatory. And you know, just to finish the point off, I always tell people this, and it's I've you know I've spoken to CFL players who played in the NFL for a long time who come up here or vice versa. The NFL is about structure, is about de- definition, defining you in a role. You are a defensive back, you are a field side corner, you are a safety, you are a will linebacker, Sam linebacker. The CFL is, you are a CFL player. Yes, you're obviously a linebacker, but at any moment, and to go back to my original point about defensive lineman, Armon Armstead, who played for USC, doesn't play football anymore, but was a highly touted potential NFL pick if he didn't have heart issues, came to the CFL and was amazing for the year that he played here, won a great cup. Not only did he win a great cup, but he was a defensive lineman who pulled back the coverage almost every other play, was covering passes off the defensive line. You have to be athletic to play in the CFL. I, I imagine there are some NFL players, and I, and I stand by this, who could not play in the CFL. Mentally could not deal with the versatility and the improvisation that you have to have to play in the CFL. Um, again, people think I'm on a soapbox. People think I, 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 I you know, obviously I'm a sideline reporter for it. I get paid to cover mm-hmm. the CFL. No, this is a league. If you appreciate it for what it is, you'll love it. If you don't, who cares? Go enjoy watching the Detroit Lions versus the Cleveland Browns. I don't care. You're not going to change your mind. But an increasing number of people, and the ratings do show that, are beginning to are beginning to get turned on by the CFL. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And you mentioned your National Post job. For those watch, listening to my show who want to get into sports media, great example for you, Matt. Never say no. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, I wouldn't be in this. I mean, Avery, I, I, much, I might have mentioned this to you off air while we were in person. I never thought I'd be on television. Uh, this is just. This doesn't just go for this job in sports media. It goes for any job. You might be faced with a situation in your life, as I was when you know newspapers going the way of uh, the dodo as they are. Um, the National Post cut the pages. I lost my job and had to make a decision. And that decision was: was I going to give TV a try? And listen, it's still it's still scary now. It's still nerve wracking now. But it, it, if if you don't do things that scare you and challenge you that could potentially change you, then you're not growing as a person. So it's, uh, it, is, it, is, it is so beneficial for anyone, particularly those wanting to get into media, to be able to say, I'm not going to find myself by one particular sport or topic or medium. I'm going to go ahead and see how I, can, how I can really adjust. And I might fail. I could fail. I, I, I definitely will fail, you know, for anybody who's ever been on YouTube, you put my name on YouTube and I've, I've blown a life. But that's, listen, that's, that's part, all part of the learning process. And 
if you're not if you're not excited and willing to fail in order to ultimately succeed, then stay on your couch and watch Netflix because really that's all you're good for. It's just uh, this this business should be exciting and uh, and can be exciting if uh, if you really are open to all the possibilities. Absolutely, it's so true. Before that you go, Matt, we do ask you about the CFL West Division and well. Calgary, BC, Winnipeg, Edmonton, this is, it's nuts right now. Those teams, of course, Saskatchewan is just a comedy of errors. Edmonton's back at 4-4. Four and four. Can this team, you think, get back to first in the Western Division now that Mike Riley's firing all cylinders, Drell Walker still electric, Adarius Bowman, Nate Kuhorn, Chris Getzlaff, they'll burn you if you blink, Matt. Yeah, I, I don't think the West has been won by Calgary just yet. And I spoke earlier about Toronto and Hamilton. I really think Calgary and Edmonton on Labor Day and their rematch is going to be the must-watch matchup of the season. I think Edmonton's defense is finally rounding into form. I think Mike Benavides has that front seven and secondary, mm-hmm. albeit you know, after all the injuries they've suffered, he has them really churning now. If they can go ahead and they can take on a Calgary team that's going to be coming off what I imagine will be a very tough test against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, it is going to be something to see in the West. And then, of course, you have, you know, lying in the weeds there, both Winnipeg and BC. I think the West, as it tends to be uh, when it comes to this time of the year, is going to be the more competitive half of the CFL uh, of the CFL divisions. Now, having said that. Um, Bo Levi Mitchell simply doesn't lose. Uh, no matter what changes have happened, what turnovers happened, the Stampeders are off the deepest, strongest team in the CFL. Uh, but I was really impressed by what I saw out of BC's defense. So I think it's really going to come down to the end. I still, I still take Calgary to be the team that represents the West in the Great Cup because I just can't, I can never bet against Bo Levi. But watching Mike Riley threw up another 300-yard game after 300-yard game after 300-yard game. Darrell Walker, as you mentioned, and Darius Bowman. And that defense as well, led mm-hmm. by J.C. Schiffer, Odell Willis, and Patrick Watkins. Um, it is going to be, I think, a tremendous Labor Day, both in the East with the Ticats against the Argos, and especially in the West with the Eskimos against the Stampeders. Oh, it's going to be nuts. The last question for you, Matt. Chris Jones and the Rough Riders. Does Chris Jones last the full year in Saskatchewan? Because... One in seven, and it's, it's mayhem. I, I, he has to, Avery. It's, uh, there's Craig Reynolds, the team executive that brought him in, um, has really, I think, as so many others have said, has really tied himself to Chris Jones. And if he doesn't succeed in Saskatchewan, it's going to be more than Chris Jones's job that will be on the line. Um, yeah, it's tough for Ryder Nation to watch in the final year of the old Mosaic Stadium, their team basically limp out of there or skulk out of there or, you know, throw money into the wind uh, and just bend all the rules they can as they leave that really historic stadium. Um, But I think next season, given what we've seen, Chris Jones, even though he hasn't coached, you know, Montreal, I think Giddy was the head coach in Montreal or Toronto or Calgary, Everywhere Chris Jones has gone, he's won a great cup in some capacity, um, especially coming from Edmonton. And there is no greater place in the CFL to win a great cup than Saskatchewan. In 100 and 
uh, five odd years that the Rough Riders have been in existence, they have won just four Grey Cups. So for him to win one would be tremendous. I don't expect they will demand that of him this year. I'm sure some will not want the Rough Riders to go one and seventeen, and I don't think they will. I think you know there will be an inspired performance as there always is uh, against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Labor on Labor Day uh, for the Labor Day Clash, and, and uh, obviously the Banjo the Return Banjo Bowl. Of course. But next season is going to be so crucial for Chris Jones. It's going to be so crucial for Darren Durant if he is still around, because they will be in that spectacular. Stadium. I invite everybody to check it out. Even those fans who don't consider themselves CFL fans, take a look at the new stadium they're building in Regina because it will be, bar none, the best stadium in the country because this is the most successful financial team in the country next to the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. For those who don't believe me, look it up. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders are the most successful financial team in this country next to the Leafs and the Canadiens. They have money to burn, and they're building a near 40,000-seat stadium in the middle of a farmer's field that is going to be the best stadium in the country and one of the best stadiums in North America. Uh, has facilities that you would see at the University of Oregon or the University of Alabama. Uh, it is just, it looks tremendous. It's going to be tremendous, and I think next year, with that new um, battle around uh or, or that new battle in the, in, in the prairies, they are going to demand a winning team. I think Chris Jones will get all the mulligans this year, but we'll need to produce in 2017. Matt, thank you so much for doing the podcast today. It was a pleasure. We got to do it again sometime, pal. Keep up the good work, Avery.